Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to be connecting with all of you. Uh, thank you for tuning into the Dr. Pat Show. Thanks for tuning into Transformation Talk Radio. And you know what? You're absolutely right. Uh, if you go to our new network, uh, and we're very excited about that. As we said before, the technology will be finished in about two months. We're shooting for the 4th of July. But if you go ahead and go there to Transformation Talk Radio, you will get a sense of what the channels are, 10 of them actually. And yeah, they are being launched all at once. Why? Because that is what I was, that is what my like uh, spirit energy and all of us here are really wanting to do. So thank you all for all of that. You want to talk about energy. Uh, my very special guest today, thrilled to have Dr. Joe Dispenza joining me here today. You know, it's really cool that he and I have been able to chat over these years and work together. You know, I so love talking about his books his fabulous workshops, which we're going to mention here in a minute, you know, but most importantly, every once in a while, every once in a while, I think if we're kind of a little bit awake enough, what happens is we bump into another human being that somehow touches our lives and how that person touches our lives. It's probably not evident to us in the moment, but when that happens, we kind of know we kind of know there's like this connection. And Dr. Joe Dispenza is one of those people. You know, he's pretty much been on the show since its inception when it was crust busting your way to an awesome life. And, you know, here we are 13 years later and we're still loving the juiciness of what we're doing. Why? Because you all are and because it just keeps getting better. Today, you are the placebo and there it is, making your mind matter. My best-selling, my best-selling author, my friend, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and by the way, a colleague of mine. And here's what I want to say about Joe: is there are many things that you can read about him. You can read about what he's done in the past uh, 10 years. You can read about the many countries that he has visited. He's been educating people, six continents. You could pick up his book and really take a look at Evolve Your Brain. You could be in a workshop with them. You can see him in a keynote or a seminar, uh, as many of us have. But one of the things that I love about connecting with him is he's all about all of you. And what that means is he's about making sure that somehow, someday, some way in his lifetime, that he's discovering something that's going to help each and every one of us understand what it means to live fully, to experience life fully. You know, whether you're, you're hearing him talk about neuroscience like we're going to do a little bit today or quantum physics or psychology or hypnosis or healing or all of the above, 
one of the things you're going to know is that he is like the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps going. And he's going in a direction to help all of us. And as I said before, you want to find out more about Dr. Joe, we're going to give you his website, drjoedispenza.com. But today, fasten your seatbelt, because if you didn't know it before today, here's the big announcement. You are the placebo. Dr. Joe, great to have you here. Thank you, Dr. Pat. That was quite an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it is so good. To, to be connecting and to stay connecting. Um, you know, you and I, we get, we get to say yes to this journey. And somehow along the way, things get discovered. But, you know, we put one foot in front of the other. And I know we're talking about the book, You Are the Placebo, uh, Making Your Mind Matter. My question for you is this before we jump into it. You have been all over the world. You are talking to people. They are talking with you. You're watching them heal right in front of you. And I want to ask you, since the last time we spoke, what have you discovered? What have you learned from the eyes, the mouths, the ears, and the spirit of these people you've been in front of? Well, there's a few things that have really inspired and motivated me, Pat. You know, I think this is a time in history where it's not enough to know. I think this is a time in history to know how. And when I speak to an audience in the present day, or at least in the last year or so, if I rewind the tape 10 years ago, I had to go through a lot of convincing and a lot of science and a lot of philosophy to get people to get on board with the idea that their thoughts have something to do with their health or their life. But today, we, the bar has set, been set to such a higher level because we're in an age of information, and everybody's informed. And I think in an age of information, ignorance is a choice. So we see people coming into events hungry not only for the knowledge but the application of it. And when we start applying the principles of what we innately know to be the truth, I think we get to experience and embody the truth of that philosophy. So... I think it's a great time. I think and science has become the contemporary language of mysticism. I think science is now beginning to demystify the mystical. So when you combine a little quantum physics with a little neuroscience, with a little neuroendocrinology, with a little psychoneuroimmunology and a little epigenetics, they all point a finger at possibility. And so people are starting to take responsibility for their lives. They're educating themselves. They don't need a, a doctor, a priest, a, a teacher. Uh, a governor to get access to information. I think that yeah. that uh, they have the ability now to really to take their power back, and I think it's a great time to be alive. Yeah, I, what I love about what you're saying directly refle reflects my own uh, my own healing journey, uh, Dr. Joe. And you know, you know, it's really interesting that you and I get to take this journey together in so many ways. Because I remember I had you on the show at certain points in time when I was not feeling very well. I think you'll kind of remember this, too. And then, you know, seeing me in person, I was about 100 pounds heavier. Um, and the things you're talking about right now uh, were for me to discover personally, right? See, I don't really have the neuroscience of this, so to speak, that we're going to talk about today. I actually have the real live experience of this. And yet at the same time, it would have been really helpful for me to understand what you're about to say. So what I'm trying to say, Joe, is I wish you would have written this book 10 years ago. 
Well, this is what's cool about what you're saying, Pat. Uh, I have studied the science and the mental states of people who've had spontaneous remissions and quantum healings, and I think we innately already know how to do this. I think once we're able to use science to explain it, I think uh, we take what people have already done, come up with the science to be able to explain it, and then if it's worked for them, it should work for us. So closing the gap between knowledge and experience, between information and transformation, uh, there has to be a language that puts that together. So I think many people in their life have made a choice uh, to make some type of change. And we all know that the moment we decide to change, the moment we decide to get up early, the moment we decide to work out after work, the moment we decide to eliminate certain foods, whatever it is, the moment we decide to, to, to involve ourselves in a course or a class, the moment we make that decision, we start feeling a little uncomfortable because we're, the hardest part about change is, is not making the same choice as we did the day before. And it's that kind of awareness then that begins the journey because 95% of who we are is... Yeah. is memorized behaviors and emotional reactions, beliefs, perceptions, attitudes, that where the body has been doing something so many times that it knows how to do it better than the brain. So the moment we step into that unknown, we step into that void, most people want to return back to the familiar feelings. So in essence, they'd rather hold on to their unhappiness or their guilt or their unworthiness than to live in that place of uncertainty, in that place of un in the unknown. And it's unfortunate that most people also wait for a crisis or disease or trauma or diagnosis or loss to finally make up their mind to change. And again, this is so evident in, in, the, in the population around the world now is that people are saying, uh, I don't want to wait. You know, I want to I make transformations and conscious choices to change uh, before I have something wrong with me so we can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering or we can learn and change in a state of joy and inspiration. And I think people are starting to choose the latter instead of the, the former. Yeah. And, you know, what's so cool about this, though, for so many of us and people that, you know, people like me who have been looking at this for quite some time, is the thing that we're really struck by is hopefully with your work uh, and with the book and the message you're bringing out in the world, you know, you don't have to get to the place where you're in a level of despair that you really look in no other direction for this solution. And that is really, you know, what has changed in 10 years. We now have Dr. Joe Dispenza joining me here today, and we're talking about just that. You know, you are the placebo making your mind matter. You know, what is it that we can do with our minds that we're not quite sure we know we can? And, you know, what about that story we have, uh, nature versus nurture, or better yet, genetics. When we take, uh, when we come back, we're going to talking about how is it we choose not to believe in wellness? What is it about us that does that? What was it about me that would select that? And how about any of you? Is it just a matter of perseverance or is it more? That's why we've got Dr. Joe Dispenza here. Let's take a short break, everyone. We will be right back.
A morning filled with dynamic, inspirational music, spirituality, and uplifting messages by TJ Woodward. Come and connect with community conversations and awaken your senses. Awakened Living Sundays with TJ Woodward. Join TJ every Sunday in the San Francisco Bay Area Chapel at Fort Mason and live streaming online 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time. To learn more and access the live stream, visit www.awakenedlivingsf.org. Awaken to your radiant, authentic self. For over 15 years, Soul Purpose Advocate Nancy Monson has been focused on leading change in the lives of those looking to live their true purpose. She is devoted to supporting people and living a soul-directed life every day. Let Nancy help you overcome fear, worry, and doubt. Visit EverydaySpirituality.com to learn how Nancy can be your Soul Purpose Advocate. The Doctor is in. Tune in to the hit show, The Psychic Love Doctor, with host Deborah Lee. Deborah's life affirming, highly perceptive reading method has taught Deborah how to zero in on specific problems with relationships, career pursuits, and current roadblocks to success and happiness. Join Deborah Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific and for a special broadcast the second Thursday of every month at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I want to just mention, yeah, it's great to have Joe here. DrJoeDispenza.com is the website. Uh, And by the way, I want to make sure all of you tuning in, you understand a couple of things. We're going to talk about um, the book and its release here, but also, you know, what is it about Dr. Joe? He is out front. You can get to see him personally. Now, I know what you have here is you have a workshop coming up in Seattle, and then let's talk about the book release. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're going to be doing uh, in Seattle, uh, Dr. Joe. Well, uh, you know, my, my theory and my principle is I only go where I'm invited, and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when they stop inviting me, I'm going to probably do something else, but we're going to be in Seattle uh, on uh, May 6th through May 8th. That's a Friday evening, and then all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And and we teach these workshops called progressive workshops because we want to give people the necessary tools uh, to begin to apply some of these principles to their lives. And so it's a full weekend. It's packed with a lot of content. It's very experiential. You're going to be in and out of meditation uh, the entire weekend, you are going to change a belief or a perception about yourself and your life. Mm-hmm. You understand the science and the biology of what it means to find the present moment. Uh, you are going to tune into a potential that already exists in the quantum field and understand how you can draw that future to you. Uh, we're going to teach uh, people how to signal new genes in new ways and recondition their body to a new mind. Uh, There'll be uh, a few other meditations, but we're going to give them the science and the understanding made simply, and nothing will be left to conjecture, to superstition, or to dogma. dogma. They'll know exactly what they're doing and why. So it's packed with a lot of content. Uh, If they register for the Progressive Workshop, we send them an eight-hour course uh, in preparation for that workshop that that I used to teach that I don't have the time to teach anymore to give them the basics, and then we work. And um, I think the workshops are really where the magic happens. So we'll be in Seattle uh, at the uh, Seattle Marriott waterfront there 
uh, May 6th through May 8th, and it, it's getting pretty full, so it's probably going to sell out real soon here. Oh, yeah, there's no question about it. For those of us that have, have been able to attend, uh, this this is really, it's actually more than a workshop. It's totally a transformative experience if you have not had the opportunity, you know, to be part of something like this. There is something really magical about what happens when two or more are gathered. There's no question about that. And I'm excited about the book, Joe. Um, you know, tell us about the book. I mean, the, the actual launch of a book is a birth-giving experience in itself. This has got to be exciting for you. I know you've done a few of these, but this book is really special. Well, I mean, the book is doing extremely well. Uh, I wrote it because we were witnessing so many healings taking place right during our workshops that it started me uh, thinking about this idea, I mean, how is it that you can give someone a sugar pill or a saline injection or perform some false surgery or treatment? And a certain percentage of those people will accept, believe, and surrender to a thought without any analysis that they're getting the real substance or treatment, and they begin to program their own autonomic nervous system to ma make the exact pharmacy of chemicals equal to the substance or treatment they think they're taking. So it's not the inert substance that's doing the healing. It's the body's innate capacity to heal. But in a sense, they're healing by thought alone. So I thought, okay, so that's similar to what we're seeing in our workshops because that pill, for example, represents a possibility in the quantum field called getting well. There's no there's no drug in the pill. It's, it's sugar. It's starch. But a certain percentage of those people, when they see that pill, that pill associates the idea of some future experience of them getting well, a potential. Other people will then begin to marry that intention with an elevated emotion. They'll start to feel inspired. They'll start to feel hopeful. They'll start to feel enthusiastic. And when you combine a clear intention with an elevated emotion, you begin to change your biology and your physiology. So I thought, well, heck, do you need a sugar pill or a saline injection or some false treatment to move into a state of being to change your state? Or can, instead of selecting a known called a pill, that pill is a symbol, could you select an unknown in the quantum field and revisit it enough times until it becomes a known. And once you understand the science of how the placebo works, is it possible to teach it? And the answer is absolutely yes. And so as an example, 81% of people that are given a placebo that are in a, a depression study, 81% of those people respond as well as the medications, which means they're making their own pharmacy of antidepressants by thought alone. So I thought, well, once I understood that, could I bring in a team of scientists and researchers to begin to measure those changes in our workshops? And so I assembled a team of neuroscientists and technicians and other researchers, and we've measured so many things uh, in, to prove that it's not just in people's minds, it's in their brains and in their bodies. And we have objective measurements and evidence to prove that people uh, can heal by thought alone. And it's just an exciting time right now. Yeah, I mean, it is an exciting time. And, you know, Joe, thank you for sharing that. It is a much needed time because we have something that's going on in society right now 
that really has has created an opportunity to look at healing in a whole nother way. And, you know, the reason I say a whole nother way, even though what we're talking about may not be new, if we go back to healing as, as we knew at ancient times, but it is new for us because we're living in a world where a pill, a potion, or a lotion is our first choice of defense for many, many people, millions, maybe more. And, you know, what we're talking about here, isn't it? I think you say this in the book. This is a way for us to learn and re-educate ourselves and to really take back our lives in a way, isn't it? Well, I think when I wrote the book, one of the things that happened, I wrote that book in six weeks, and one Mm -hmm. of the things that that disturbed me and I couldn't get past it was the idea of how hypnotized and conditioned I personally was. I mean, uh, we are programmed on so many levels to remind us that we need something outside of us, that, 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 that on some level um, we don't have everything that we need uh, within us to really heal and to change. And that's been a conditioning that's taken place over time. And, and I think people are starting to wake up because uh, not a lot of people are interested in taking pharmaceuticals if there's 20 or 30 side effects to those medications. And so I wanted to inspire people, whether they're treating conventionally or unconventionally, whether they're treating or they're not treating, that even if they begin to apply some of these principles, they can begin to move the needle to some degree to begin to see some healthy and substantial changes in their life. And I believe just like um, a, an infection creates a disease amongst the community. I believe that health and wellness can be as infectious as disease. And I've seen that so many times when you gather 400 or 500, 600 people in an event, in a workshop, and they're all making substantial and measurable changes within them, that you start to see people heal from well, we have hundreds of case histories of people that have healed themselves from cancer and from diabetes and MS and lupus and thyroid conditions and rare genetic disorders and uh, brain conditions and tumors because they made it a priority in their life uh, to begin to apply those principles. And uh, it, it gives them then the understanding then that, yeah, they're going to have to stay conscious uh, of their unconscious self. They're going to have to pay attention to how they think. They're going to have to notice how they act. They're going to have to always, always be aware of how they feel. And how you think, how you act, and how you feel is called your personality. And your personality then creates your personal reality. So if you wanted to create a new personal reality, a new life, a new body, some change, uh, you have to change your personality. And that's where the, where that's where the challenge starts. But um, I can tell you without a doubt that, you know, when a person makes the true transformation, the disease exists in the old personality <laughs> and they're <laughs> literally someone else. And, and uh, it's beautiful to see. And uh, boy, I tell you, I just got back from a, a, a trip to, um, to France, to Paris, and then to Spain, and then to Italy and running some, some big events there. And People stood up and told some of the most amazing stories about about how they heal themselves, and and the process and the principles are exactly the same. So I want people to to um, 
I want this to become common for them, and I want them to really begin to see that 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 they can make an effort to change not only the hard wiring in their brain, but we're not doomed by our genes. And and when people begin to realize that, they become their own genetic engineers. You know, I I, I think that what you're talking about is so important, and I, I I'd love for you to talk about this so much. So I think we'll just skip the break because we've got a lot to talk about here today. And I want to make sure that all of you tuning in uh, know that Dr. Joe Dispenza joining me here today. You are the you are the placebo making your mind matter. Uh, book is available. Certainly you could get it, but please go visit his website, drjoedispenza.com. And you'll find out about the upcoming Seattle workshop, May 6th through 8th. Um, and then, you know, for those of you out there, uh, many, many opportunities. If you're if you're not in the greater Seattle area, which I know many of you are not, I did mention that Joe travels. Uh, <laughs> he travels to various continents. So for our Australia friends, go to the website, find out when Joe's going to be around and in your neighborhood, and there you go. Um, Joe, one of the things I loved is I shared a lot about my, you know, the influences in my life, people, people that have influenced me. Um, I get asked a lot now, especially since I'm doing a little bit more radio, not of my own. People ask me, how come you're so positive? How come you're so optimistic? Um, and the first thing out of my mouth, Joe, and I is, well, I have to tell you, it's not genetics. And they say, well, we've heard you talk about your mom. I said, no, you heard me talk about my stepmom. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're hearing me talk about my stepmom. And so it brings this conversation to the forefront, right? You know, right now I have three friends that went and got tests for genetics, these genetic tests that's going to tell them whether they have, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Dr. Joe, uh, a cancer marker, a, a predisposition for thyroid genetics. I can't even fathom that for myself. I mean, I know at some level that must be helpful but I'm well, not really sure how. Let's demystify that because people need to know the truth. Okay. Less than 5% of the people on the planet are born with a genetic condition like Tay-Sachs disease or type 1 diabetes or sickle cell anemia. The other 95%, Pat, their, their diseases come from lifestyle and behavior and choices. How do we know this? You can take a, uh, a pair of identical twins. They share the exact same genes. There's one gene sequence that's different. They, they're the exact same gene. They're identical. One dies at 54. The other one dies at 82. Mm. What's the difference? It's lifestyle. It's behavior. And the fact is that genes are like Christmas tree lights. They're turning on and off all the time. And when they turn on or when they regulate, they do what's called an upregulation and they make proteins. And all genes in your body make a protein. Muscle cells make muscle proteins. Skin cells make skin proteins. Immune cells make immune proteins called antibodies. Stomach cells make stomach proteins called enzymes. So your body is a protein-producing machine. Genes downregulate. They turn off. The lights go off. And they begin to stop making certain proteins. The problem is, is that if you're thinking the same thoughts, making the same choices, demonstrating the same behaviors, reproducing the same experiences, and living by the same emotions, you keep the same genes on and the other genes turned off, and now you're headed for a genetic destiny. 
So is it possible then to begin to regulate and change genes? You can take a group of people that are stressed out executives. You can teach them how to relax, how to find the present moment, how to breathe, how to make a few different choices and how to express certain emotions. And at the end of six weeks, they regulate 1,561 new genes, over 800 genes for growth and repair upregulated and reduce inflammation, and over 700 genes are downregulated for inflammation and disease. So if you're maintaining the same state of being without doing anything different, we could say now that, in fact, you are headed for genetic destiny. So uh, genes then respond to the environment. In other words, how you react to certain people in your life, how you uh, respond to certain stressful conditions because it's a scientific fact that the long-term effects of the hormones of stress push the genetic buttons that create disease. It's also a scientific fact that you can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. You can think about your problems. You can think about what happened five days ago. You can begin to anticipate and worry about something happening in the future and you can turn on that stress response just by thought alone. So if the hormones of stress long-term push the genetic buttons that create disease and you can turn on the stress response just by thought alone, then your thoughts can literally make you sick. So if the thought can make you sick, is it possible then the thought or a thought can make you well? And so teaching people then how to shorten their stress response and at the same time, begin to create elevated emotions, is it possible then they can turn on new lights that make new proteins? Because the expression of proteins is the expression of life, and the expression of life is equal to the health of your body, because proteins are responsible for the structure and the function of your body. We did an experiment in our student body in February of this year in Tacoma, Washington. We had 550 people from all over the world come to an advanced workshop. We randomly selected 120 people. We measured two, two uh, blood markers, two values on them. We measured the cortisol levels, which is their stress hormone levels, and we measured a chemical called IgA, immunoglobulin A, the primary defense against bacteria and viruses in your body. It's better than any flu shot. Ten minutes of anger, fear, worry, impatience, causes the gene to, uh, in the body to make cortisol, and all of a sudden now when you're producing high levels of cortisol, your immune system is suppressed. You teach a person how to feel gratitude, appreciation, joy, enthusiasm, inspiration, care, kindness, compassion. Teach them how to open their heart, and they begin to make immunoglobulin A. So we took 120 people. We measured their values before the event. We measured the values four days later. Every single person, their cortisol levels went down about four standard deviations, clinically significant. But what we didn't expect was their IgA levels, their immunoglobulin A levels, to go from 52.5 up to 83. That is a significant change. Just by creating a few minutes of gratitude, 10 minutes a day, we're able to see a significant change. And what does that do? That pumps up their immune system so that they're immune to the conditions in their environment so that now 
the bacteria or viruses, molds, funguses are not making their way into their body because their internal army is paying attention to what's going on and that begins to create greater levels of health. So we know that gene, it takes a gene in order to do that. So 10 minutes of gratitude a day is the best medicine in the world because you will be able to maintain a certain level of health just by thought alone. And could it be that simple? Maybe it just is that simple. And, you know, I have to say that I think, you know, if you go down this path and it's like you say, and you try this on, I want to talk about this for a minute about trying it on. I don't exactly know where in the book you referred to this, but we get to try different things on. And there's this idea that if we try something on, uh, there either will work or it might do more harm. I mean, there, there's just this line of thinking. In the book, you talk about it in reference to beliefs and perceptions. And and I wanted to, to talk with you about that because, you know, I had a perception for myself. And I refused for a really long time, uh, Dr. Joe, to give what was going on uh, in my body a name, right? Uh, everybody else wanted to give it a name. And by the way, none of them could agree on what the name should be. Okay. Uh, and so I, I didn't want to give it a name. I mean, I, you know, mystery friend, whatever that is. Um, but here's how unconventional that was. And this is what I, the, my question to you is in order for us to really show up in the world, uh, in a different way, there's some educating that needs to happen. Uh, clearly for our friends and our loved ones, clearly this would be the way to go. What do you or what have you found to be the greatest challenge that we have in presenting this idea to the public? Well, this, this, there's some ethical uh, concerns about this because yeah. this is for everybody. I mean, People who believe in the medical model, and I, I think medicine is amazing. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect and appreciation mm -hmm. for medicine, and I think medicine works really great for acute conditions. You break your arm, you have appendicitis. There's no better thing to do for acute care than seeking medical attention. The problem is, is that chronic conditions require a lifestyle change. Chronic conditions may or may not respond to just taking a pill. The person has to begin to break out of certain habituations, certain emotional states, certain attitudes. And so the, the cool thing about this is that people come up against their own personal limitations when it comes time to change. So in our, in our methodology, what we want people to do is to understand and assign meaning to the science. In other words, if you understand that you can signal a new gene by changing your emotion or, or mental state, if you understand that your brain is not hardwired to be a certain way for the rest of your life, that we're marvels of adaptability and change, then let's get down to the business of doing it. So then the hardest part then is when people have to become conscious of how unconsciously they've been thinking and acting and feeling. And the moment they can observe their states of mind and body, they begin to objectify their, their subjective selves. In other words, when you're looking at yourself, you're no longer the program. 
You're the consciousness observing the program, and that is the first step to change. So then you take a person that's got a diagnosis, the person gets the diagnosis, and when they get the diagnosis of cancer, they get the diagnosis of lupus, they get the diagnosis of a rare genetic disorder. The moment they get the news, they either feel tremendous fear or incredible deflation and sadness. And they can only accept, believe, and surrender to the thoughts equal to their emotional state. And they will never accept, believe, and surrender to any thoughts that are not equal to their emotional state. So here we go. The person gets a diagnosis and they begin to feel fear. They can think positively all they want, but that thought never makes it past their brainstem to their body. Why? Thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body. And how you think and how you feel changes your state of being. You get that person then to get beyond the diagnosis. You get them to settle down. You get them to regulate their emotional states, the gratitude, the inspiration. Then that thought equal to that emotional state actually begins to program their autonomic nervous system. So changing the person's beliefs and perceptions requires that they have to change the way they think and feel. Because all beliefs, all perceptions come from our past experiences. So we have experiences in our life that brand us emotionally. They create certain patterns neurologically in our brain and certain chemicals we call feelings. And people tend to think neurologically and feel chemically within the biology of that past experience. And how you think and how you feel creates a state of being. And so you think a good thought that's connected to a good feeling, and you do a series of good thoughts that's connected to a series of good feelings, that's called an attitude. You have a series of negative thoughts that are connected to some pretty bad feelings, that's a bad attitude. So attitudes then tend to be shortened states of being. When you start clustering a same attitude or a series of attitudes together, an attitude, an attitude, an attitude, now you're creating what's called a belief. And a belief is just a thought you keep thinking over and over again until you hardwire it in your brain and it becomes an unconscious program. And because all beliefs are based on past experiences, the very boundaries of our beliefs are how we feel. And when our beliefs get challenged, it doesn't feel right. So the redundancy of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking over time conditions the body to subconsciously become the mind. And since subconscious states of being are called beliefs, most people don't even know that they believe certain things because they're not conscious programs, they're unconscious programs. So in order for a person to change a belief or perception about themselves and their lives, they're going to have to make a decision with such firm intention that the amplitude of that decision carries a level of energy that causes their body to respond to their mind, that the choice becomes an experience that they never forget and that experience defines them in the moment. And now their body begins to respond to a new mind because the inward experience is greater than any past outward experience that they've drawn a conclusion about or caused them to live in, in their past. And, and when you teach people how to do this, all of a sudden they begin to make substantial changes in their health and in their life. I love this. And I have to tell you, Dr. Joe, I hope you don't mind if we skip the next break as well, because we're really on a roll here. Um, I thought about you this weekend and, and I want to share this little story and love for you to comment on it because, you know, I read you, I went back and I read the book again. 
And I used to play table tennis in my 20s. And as a matter of fact, Dr. Joe, I know you're probably thinking, what has this got to do with anything? Well, here it is. In my 20s, I played table tennis and I played pretty well. I was like New Jersey state champion, so forth and so on. Actually, you can find some pictures Benny posted of me on the internet. Clearly was not a happy kid in my 20s from the picture. But here's what happened to me. I decided about four weeks ago, I love playing table tennis, but I never wanted to get back to play because I, I thought I could never, you ready, be as good. And so I literally didn't play because I, I just felt. So all of a sudden down the street, is there this senior center? And there all of a sudden I'm walking by, I was at a meeting and they're playing table tennis. So four weeks ago, I start playing table tennis and I entered the table tennis court with the belief, are you ready? That I really am out of shape, I cannot play. Three weeks, I've been showing up like that but something happened. This is like a page out of your book. Last week, I get there and I happen to be paired up with a woman from Thailand who plays really well. And all of a sudden, Joe, she and I had not even met before. And we played so well together. And it was as if I had not stopped playing in four decades. And the reason I'm sharing this is it is a vicarious conversation and one that I, I would love for you to talk about. In my healing journey, I put myself around people that supported the, the notion that I have. Here in this instant, because clearly I'm telling you, Joe, I did not go out and get table tennis lessons in seven days. That did not happen. But she and I played. Nobody could beat us. Not the men. No one. So what changed? <laughs> well, look, I mean, it's very simple. This is exactly, exactly what we want people to contact. Uh, to, to break it down, of course, when you are around people that are demonstrating greatness, they will elicit certain neurological networks in your brain that you will recall by association. It is that process then it causes your body to get the proper type of instruction that begins to cause it to play like it did many years ago. You could take a group of men in their 70s and 80s. They did this experiment at Harvard. <laughs> and you can ask those men to pretend like they're 22 years younger. And so they took these men up to a monastery north of Harvard. And the researchers uh, took some basic measurements. They measured their eyesight, they measured their hearing, their height, their weight, their range of motion, their cognitive ability, their finger length, their toe length, their range of motion, their gait. Took all these basic measurements. They took them to a monastery north of Harvard, and then they set up the environment to cue them of how, what it was like 22 years ago. They had pictures of Marilyn Monroe, the Kennedy brothers, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Mickey Mantle. They had um, Nat King Cole playing in the background, and they were not to reminisce about being 22 years younger, but actually become 22 years younger. At the end of five days, their finger lengths were longer, their toe lengths were longer, they were taller, they had lost weight, their eyesight improved, their hearing improved, uh, their range of motion improved, their, their uh, gait changed and their cognition improved by 60%. So the question is, 
who are we pretending to be? Or the better question is, who are we pretending not to be? Because the moment they moved into state, and that's what you did, you moved into a state, your body already knows how to do this when you get your mind or analytical mind out of the way. The belief that you can't, the belief it's been too long, the belief that you forgot how to play. The moment you got that analytical mind out of the way, the body already has the memory stored in it. It's called an implicit memory. And in the case of this Harvard study, all the men did was think differently, act differently, and feel differently. And how you think, how you act, and how you feel is your personality. They couldn't say finger lengths get longer, toe lengths grow, eyesight get better, brain work better. All they had to do was just change their state of being. And when they do, there's this dynamic intelligence within us that's giving us life who begins to endorse who we're being. And so in your case, you very naturally slid into the zone because when you got out of the way and you let that belief aside and someone else was modeling the very behavior to allow you to model it as well, allowed you to begin to do what you already innately know how to do. Yeah, it was really, and Joe, here's what I want to say, and this is really, and the reason I shared this story was because, and I had no idea that I would have that experience and be talking with you today. None. It's just the way that it worked out. But how would you explain that to somebody? And so, you know, what I said to the people that I know is just come watch, just come watch. I said, because I don't really have, you know, a logical, rational way given what you all know about me, my body, whatever that thought is, that belief is. Once you see, oh, and let me say this, let me say this, Joe, how long did I play? So let's talk about this. And then I'm sure you're going to talk about age here. How long did I play? Well, did I get up and play for 10 minutes? I played for two hours straight. My clothes were so sweaty and pitted out. And so doesn't this really talk to our ability to even move beyond our belief, beyond our, the essence of what we think our bodies can do? And I'm not going to say that I didn't come home and the next day I was a little sore, but boy, I didn't miss a beat. But isn't this what your book is about? Isn't this really for us to really look at this? And, and stop arguing for our limitations, because I believe me, I, I'm really pretty good at it myself sometimes. <laughs> well, we all are. Yeah, well, again, how many things in your environment remind you of your limitations? And how many things in your environment remind you of being unlimited? So if you come to a workshop that we do, yeah. and you see someone stand up and talk about how they were diagnosed with cancer, how the doctors told them at, the, at stage four ovarian cancer that to get their affairs in order, that they had three months to live. And they came to an event where they heard somebody stand up and share about they healed, how they healed themselves of some near fatal condition. That gives that person permission to accept, believe, and surrender that it's possible for them. And now this is not a panacea right. of positive thinking. This is the person that gets up on the stage and tells their story, says, I had a lot of doubt. Hey, my doctors gave up on me. Yeah, my family thought I was crazy. You know what? I had no reason to get up feeling in a state of gratitude. I lost my husband. I lost my career. I had no money. 
I had um, all these different diagnoses. I couldn't take care of my children. But I did the meditations anyway, and I changed my state of being. Well, if you see someone play table tennis really well, you'll play table tennis better. If you see someone hit a golf ball like Tiger Woods, you'll hit a golf ball better. If you see someone lead with courage and compassion in their life, you're going to lead with courage and compassion in your life. And if you see someone stand up and tell the story about their diagnosis and what it took, and it took them two years to turn that battleship around and they never missed a day, and they got up feeling differently than when they started, you're more prone to associate and accept, believe, and surrender that it's possible for you. So that's starting to happen. We, I talk about a woman in our, in the, in placebo who was diagnosed with polycystic fibrodysplasia. Big words, but basically, rough childhood, beaten by her father every day when she yeah. was a child. She started to break all these bones in her body, and she lost the very scaffolding and structure of the proteins that keep the bones together. Looked healthy, looked like a normal person, but she wasn't. Well. Two and a half years to heal that condition. Someone reads the book, Who Has Polycystic Fibrodysplasia, stands on the stage in, in front of 550 people in, in Munich and says, after I read that book, if she could do it, I know that I could do it. And now I just came from my doctor and I no longer have polycystic fibrodysplasia and it's a genetic disorder that they tell you will never go away. She shows up in the doctor's office and the doctor says, what did you do? And she says, I epigenetically signaled new genes in new ways to make new proteins until I finally changed my state of being. You don't hear that from a patient. And the doctor, instead of being offended, says, wow, I wish all my patients were like that. Right. 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 But, you know, isn't that, Joe, really uh, part of uh, what, what we as individuals have to be accountable for? You know, part of what you said, I love, I, I love all of it, but part of it that is so powerful is what she said to her doctor, right? Because if we were to read the book, if we were to educate ourselves, if we were to create a new narrative for healing in this way, for the mind in this way, then when our doctors ask us, we can stand up straight, confidently, and say, this is what I've done. Isn't that really part of what your workshops and the book is doing as well? It's, you know, beyond the understanding of this, certainly for me, it's a way to build confidence and build our belief, our perception, and our thought muscles, right? Exactly. And, and, and you know, you, you can only accept, believe, and surrender to the thoughts equal to your emotional state. So sometimes people have really traumatic past experiences in their life that leave a strong emotional residue. And oh, yeah. that emotion then becomes the familiar feeling of who they are, whether it's guilt, whether it's sadness, whether it's pain, whether it's anger. They're so used to feeling that way that they don't know how to feel any other way. So when it comes time to change, they'd rather stick with their unhappiness or their guilt or their anger than venture into the unknown. But once people understand that they're, that they're doing that, now the rubber begins to meet the road because then they say, oh my God, this emotion is just keeping me connected to my past and I, I can't create a new future if I keep holding on to the emotion of the past. And why would I give someone 
20 years of my life because I haven't evolved in 20 years because of some emotion that's that's keeping me anchored there. Wow. When the person starts getting that understanding and they start stepping into the unknown and it starts to become more of a common thing, uh, look, we it's going to it's going to change the consciousness of the world. We just had a lady that was diagnosed with a severe cancer. The doctors gave her three months to live. She came to our advanced workshop in Tacoma. She sent an email to my staff, and her tumors are shrinking. All of her blood values are going down. And the doctors, three of them, said to her, "We have to know what you're doing." And she said, "Go read the book." And they went out <laughs> book and. They're, they're going, wow, this, there is something to this. So I like that because it's controversial, and I like it that it means that if one person can do it, it's like a four-minute mile. More people can accept that they can do it. Oh, my gosh, I love it. Dr. Joe Dispenza, everyone. Dr. Joe, thank you so much for this time. Um, and again, I want to ask you, uh, what is your personal message, and what do you want to leave us with? How can we support you on your journey? Mm. Well, I think the greatest compliment and the greatest support that I could ever get is uh, send me an email and say, hey, I tried this out and it actually worked because when I read those kind of emails, it inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing and, and uh, we're measuring so many amazing things in people and I'm in the process of writing another book now and it's about becoming supernatural and our, some of our studies and some of our uh, measurements just are outside of just normal range now and, and common people are doing the uncommon and, and, and join a community of people that really want to make a difference in the world by not talking about it but by becoming it. That is the next step. Thank you so much. For those of you out there, I want to make sure that you know, if you'd like to have more information about the book and get the book, you are the placebo making your mind matter. Best-selling author, Dr. Joe Dispenza here. If you want to find out about his upcoming events, you certainly can go to his website, www.drjoedispenza.com, D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A.com. And again, make sure you check out the book. I downloaded a version of, of the book on my Kindle, and you can do so many things to change your life. Thank you, Dr. Joe. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you, Dr. Pat, for all the great things you're doing for the world. Awesome. And Joe, you know, I love this. Joe, you ever want to play table tennis? Let me know, okay? <laughs> I will. I will. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.